All right, welcome back to a brand new episode of the Couch Potato Podcast. Don't mind me, seem to be a bit under the weather, but that's not going to stop me this week. And for this week, we are celebrating the 30th anniversary of an iconic movie. Producer Adam, tell the guys and gals what we're talking about this week. We are talking about the 1993 action-adventure movie Jurassic Park. That's right, gang. We're going to give you all the details on one of our favorite movies of all time. So, after the trailer, the Couch Potato Podcast presents to you Jurassic Park. Dinosaurs and man. Two species suddenly thrown back into the mix together. Can I touch it? Sure. How can we possibly have the slightest idea what to expect? Universal Pictures presents a Steven Spielberg film, an adventure 65 million years in the making. Jurassic Park, rated PG-13. Special premiere tonight starts tomorrow everywhere. Hi, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Couch Potato Podcast. And joining me on this week's episode is Adam, producer of the the program. How's it going, man? Oh, not too bad. Good, good. Uh, glad to have you back. Uh, usually when you're on the show, we're talking movies. Yes. Um, and uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, earlier this week, there was a little little movie that just turned 30 years old. It's called Jurassic Park. It's about dinosaurs. I don't think I've heard of it. You never heard of it? Yeah. Hey, I, I'll, do, I'm, I'll do my best. Yeah, I was just on Twitter, and I had heard... <laughs> People talking about it being its anniversary. I'm like, I need to see this Marvel movie. All jokes aside, though, Jurassic Park, uh, probably one of my favorite movies of the 90s. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, uh, you and I, it's one of the early things that uh, we were able to bond over uh, during our days at the uh, the Evil Blue Corporation. That is very true. Yeah. So what was your first experience with Jurassic Park? Uh, my first experience with Jurassic Park was when it came out. Um, it came out in '93. I was very little. Uh, I saw it at the uh, at the drive-in theater uh, here in Springfield. Uh, it was um, playing with another movie. I don't remember what the other movie was because uh, all I remember is Jurassic Park. I was supposed to be asleep during Jurassic Park because it was the second one playing, uh, but. I definitely did. It was probably last action hero. (laughs) Something. Uh, But it was a, it was a really good time. I think I had like a, uh, probably a 10 year um, uh, infatuation with dinosaurs after that. Yeah. Kids always go through that phase, I guess. I don't know if, uh, everybody does or not but i really like dinosaurs after Jurassic park well I, I think yeah every kid has had a love of dinosaurs at some point like for me like i was well past that stage because me being more uh more of an advanced age than you i think i've got like a good 30 years on you um, <laughs> no. <laughs> so i was well past my dinosaur phase but i think being a kid everybody goes to that phase where they love dinosaurs and i think that's part of the appeal of the movie is why yeah. people love it 30 plus years later. I mean, I, I still love watching it. Oh yeah. I mean, I was, uh, the, this last time that I watched it, um, I, uh, let my daughter watch it with me, uh, Madison. Uh, she, uh, 
she really really liked it and she wanted to get uh dinosaur toys afterwards and when we're watching the um the movie and it, it's panning across the gift shop uh of jurassic park i was pointing out all the things that i had <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like i had that i had that She's like i want those things i'm like yeah well did she uh that. she just say daddy give me all the toys spare no expense yep spare no expense yeah, my kid, uh, actually, his first exposure was Jurassic World, the one of the many sequels that they did. And he absolutely loved Jurassic World, so we uh, went back and revisited Jurassic Park. I, I don't know if by the time he watched it, if he started to kind of grow out of that dinosaur phase or not. Yeah, He didn't seem to be as enamored with Jurassic Park, which is weird because Jurassic Park is a far, far superior movie. But Agreed. Yeah, I, I think it's like, Kind of like we talked about a few weeks ago in the uh, Star Wars episode. Just it's one of those generational movies that, like, your kid. You know, you watched it as a, a kid, and you show your kids. Mm-hmm. They're gonna show their kids, and so on, yeah. and so on. Uh, for being thirty years old, it is incredibly timeless. Even though, like, its special effects and everything have aged, but it still pretty much holds up to this day. Uh, you know, watching it uh, the other day, uh, the special effects still look really good. Yeah. Especially the stop animation stuff with, like, the T-Rex and then the raptors. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think those are animatronics. But still, I mean, the special effects don't look 30 years old at all, except for maybe the opening sequence where they run into, what is that, a Dilophus? No, that's the ones that fuck up Wayne Knight later on. Yeah, um, the Brachiosaurus. Yeah, you could yeah, see you a little could. bit the green screen stuff and out yeah. watching it in 4K, which 4K kind of destroys some of these older movies. Right. Because you get to um, pick all the like the flaws and stuff. But, I mean, it still holds up really well. Yeah, I don't think it's like the animation per se. Uh, the lighting is off. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it doesn't. It seemed like the dinosaur didn't match like what the background but that's that's a fucking minor nitpick that's like when you order a steak at a restaurant it's comes out like you like it at a certain temperature and it's like two degrees cooler than what you like it at but it's perfect otherwise right um well let's hey you know what man i just want to start digging into these categories there's a shitload to talk about with this one um I kind of flipped some of these categories. I've changed names of them. So bear with me. I'll, I'll walk you through it. Okay. Uh, we okay. still have the tail of the tape, uh, which as you folks that have listened to this show before, the tail of the tape is where I give the rundown of the statistics of the movie. Uh, Jurassic Park was released on June the 11th, 1993, which when I was looking that up, I looked it up on Wikipedia, and it said that it had come out two days before and like, why the fuck is like all this anniversary stuff coming out now? It that was two days ago, so I went back to Wikipedia and it says it had its world premiere on June the 9th at uh, I believe it's the Man's Chinese Theater. It's I think it's called the T TCL Theater now. Yeah. So a good thing I I caught that because I would have looked like a real fool on this because I like to maintain a level of professionalism, and I like people to listen to this that you know at least they think that I know what I'm doing <laughs> we're the experts yeah well so we think uh, this movie stars Sam Neill Laura Dern Jeff Goldblum Sir Richard Attenborough I didn't I didn't uh, 
shortchange him on his uh, proper royalty title. Ariana Richards and Joseph Mazzello, directed by Steven Spielberg, a Rotten Tomatoes score of seven or ninety-one percent from critics and audiences. This movie, on its initial release, did nine hundred and fourteen million dollars worldwide, which is crazy in '93. Yeah, and then uh, they did a re-release on in two thousand thirteen, and it made another almost ninety million dollars to take it over a billion dollars. So its current running total is $1.29 billion, at least according to the fine folks at Box Office Mojo. This movie won three Academy Awards. It won sound, sound editing, and visual effects, and was selected for preservation in the U.S. Film Registry by the Library of Congress in 2018. All right. So it, it's, it's got some stuff going for it. Definitely. Um, I changed the, uh, the name of the category. We used to call this the William Somerset Research Corner. I've just changed it to the Scouting Report. Since I'm a sports fan, I think it sounds kind of cooler. It does. But I found all kinds of, like, casting what-ifs. It just blew my mind, like, all the, the fun facts. Um, this movie was based off of a Michael Crichton novel of the same name be a little weird if it was called something else um the movie rights sold for one and a half million dollars before the book was even published oh wow um there was a bidding war uh warner brothers columbia and 20th century fox all bid for the rights uh tim burton was involved with warner brothers they were trying to get the rights to this that would have been I don't think this would have been a very good movie if Tim Burton would have done it. No, it would have been creepy dinosaurs. Uh, Columbia Pictures was partnered with Richard Donner of Lethal Weapon and the Goonies fame, and Joe Dante was partnered up with 20th Century Fox. Oh, okay. Uh, one that I found to be very interesting was James Cameron mm. lost out on the bidding for this within hours of Spielberg getting them. He placed his bid after Spielberg had won. See, I don't know. I'm. I really like Spielberg. Um, Cameron does some good movies, so I think it would have been a very different movie. I think Spielberg ended up being the right choice because he kind of shoots movies from like almost like a kid's point of view. Yeah, and I think that's what this movie needed. I think it would have been yeah. very violent with James Cameron involved. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, when I was doing the research, he already had a cast in mind. Uh, he had yeah. Charlton Heston as Richard Hammond, who was played by Richard Attenborough. Uh, Bill Paxton as Ian Malcolm, who was played by Jeff Goldblum. And as Alan Grant won Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, God, no. <laughs> yeah, that would have been very, very odd. I, I would not. There's, some, there's certain actors that, like, you just can't buy them in certain roles. Like, I know Denise Richards in The World Is Not Enough was a nuclear physicist mm-hmm. and like the minute they said what she she was in that movie I was like now come on <laughs> like I, I no no disrespect to Denise Richards at all I'm sure she's a very bright lady but come on she's not a nuclear physicist no but this is well after wild things too <laughs> so uh, there's no way I'm buying that um, but yeah I thought that was just really really fascinating 
that Cameron was involved in it. I'm sure the special effects yeah. would have kicked ass, though. Yeah, the special effects would have been good. And you're right, I think it would have been a really different movie. You can definitely tell it's got that Spielberg feel to it. And Schwarzenegger would not have been a good choice. It's like, get through the chapter. The dinosaurs, they're coming after us. <laughs> I would try a Schwarzenegger, but I've been battling some kind of allergy sinus thing today. And I... My nose feels like the uh, Lisa Simpson from uh, the old, You Only Move Twice episode. When she's sniffing the flowers and all of a sudden her eyes and her nose start swelling up and get real red. and Yeah. like It just looks like that fucking sucks. That's kind of how my nose and eyes feel right now. So I'm, I'm just going to spare everybody the Schwarzenegger impression. Uh, William Hurt and Harrison Ford were all considered for Alan Grant. As a matter of fact, Hurt turned down the role without even reading the script and uh, Harrison Ford said that he would have not been the right choice for that I think Harrison Ford just does not like to be typecast at all and when he gets to work with the same director uh, for more than one movie he's just like no that's not a good idea <laughs> well I, I think with uh, this movie and I think this work this is what I think did Independence Day so well too is if you cast somebody like Harrison Ford, or even like if Cameron would have gotten it, like an Arnold Schwarzenegger, they're kind of the focal point of the movie. And Jurassic Park shouldn't be the focal point of the movie. Should be an actor. It should be the dinosaurs. Agree. And I mean, considering that like everybody that was cast in this are kind of big names. Like you know, Goldblum had been in The Fly. Sam Neill did a really kick-ass movie called Dead Calm about a. Uh, <laughs> Like him and his wife are on a boat, and then they pick up somebody. But mm-hmm. uh, and then even Sir Richard Attenborough. I mean, he was kind of a a big name, but not like an A plus list star. So yeah. I mean, I think they did right on the uh, the casting. So you know what? Maybe have Harrison Ford be a casting director, or fuck William Hurt, because I've read stories about that guy for years, where he's turned down all kinds of big roles. Well. I guess William Hurt can't do that anymore. He passed away. <laughs> it would be impressive if he did. Yeah, if if he came back from the dead to start casting movies, there's like a completely different, like, all right, we're scrapping this format. We're doing a whole fucking new episode, and I have to meet <laughs> William Hurt. Uh, Kurt Russell was also offered the role, but I guess him and Universal couldn't agree on a salary, which, once again, I'm a huge Kurt Russell fan. Not afraid to admit that one bit, but he would have kind of overshadowed the movie. Yeah. With names like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Kurt Russell, I don't feel like a uh, a person that has been in 80s action movies fits the role of Alan Grant. Right. Yeah, Alan Grant, like Sam Neill actually looks like he would be a paleontologist. Yeah. I, I believe that that's actually what he did. Like, you know, yeah. Kurt Russell, I love him. I, I've said before, I think I've even said it on this show, He's the guy that can play anything, but I just can't buy him as a paleontologist. Yeah. Alan Grant isn't an action, like, he's not an adventurous guy. He doesn't even want kids, so. Yeah. (laughs) What the fuck's up with that that snot-nosed punk at the beginning of the movie? Oh, yeah. I I think it's a kid of one of the the people that are there, if I remember the book correctly. Eh, Fuck that kid. (laughs) <laughs> I do not like I no 
that kid's been in some other stuff too, and like I I don't like him in anything he's been in. He's got that really nasally kind of uh, voice. The one that you know that it's an annoying kid talking, and you want them to be quiet. He's got a very punchable face. If I was like his age in high school, like middle school, I probably would have punched him. Yeah. But I don't do that. I don't condone violence against children. Yeah. We only like it when paleontologists tell them they're going to get eaten by uh, raptors live. And they're, yeah, like a raptor claw is going to slice this your stomach wide open. That's the only thing that we're, we're cool with. Yep. <laughs> Uh, also read Christina Ricci was considered for the role of Lex, John Hammond's granddaughter. Uh, speaking of John Hammond, uh, if you thought Arnold Schwarzenegger was a big-time get, Sean Connery, Clint Eastwood, and Marlon Brando were all considered for the role of John Hammond. Okay. Maybe not Clint Eastwood, but I could see the other two maybe. Yeah, actually, I think Sean Connery would have been okay. Yeah, but once again, though, that goes back to he's kind of overshadowing the stars of the movie because it's Sean Connery, it's fucking James Bond on a dinosaur island. And I think that too, they would have eventually, I think they would have tried to shoehorn uh, John Hammond as like some kind of like putting him in the action. Yeah, yeah, they probably would have given him more of a role. Yeah, he would have been the guy that went to the uh, the control room to sh- turn the breakers on and ran from the T-Rex, things like that. Yeah. Or the the raptors. Yeah, it, he, it would be James Bond versus the dinosaurs. Right. And Marlon Brando just would have been too far out there. Like, that dude had, like, that ship, the, San- the Sanity ship sailed a long time ago with Marlon Brando. <laughs> and, like, I would have hated to see what, like, he would have, I bet would have asked to like sleep with the dinosaurs so he'd get to know the essence of the creatures and like probably would have made jokes at other people's expense like no that's a big nod dog we don't need you yeah uh Ellie Sadler was offered to Robin Wright okay uh Sir Richard Attenborough came out of acting retirement to play John Hammond he had not been in front of a camera since the movie The Human Factor in 1979. He said that Spielberg had the charm of a devil when Spielberg pitched the role to him. And uh, what a uh, glorious return to acting it was. Yeah, and then like he followed that up the very next year. He was Santa Claus in the Miracle on 34th Street remake. Yeah. Which, uh, who cares? It, the original is is better, so... You know, I think I've only seen the uh, the remake once. And, like, I don't know, like, Miracle on 34th Street, I know, is one of those iconic Christmas movies, but I don't... I don't... Yeah, no, it's it's not for everybody. Plus, the girl from Matilda's creepy looking. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I will always look at her as uh, the kid from Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, yeah, she is in Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, too. she's Robin Williams' youngest kid in that. yeah. Uh, Spielberg wanted to film Schindler's List after completing Hook and Universal agreed to greenlight Schindler's List but he had to direct this movie first and he actually during the filming of Schindler's List was pulling double duty he was filming Schindler's List and then editing Jurassic Park 
and uh, from what I've seen on uh, behind the scenes, apparently it was really draining on him. That's a very, like, I can only imagine emotionally, like, how that would be, too. He has gone from, like, he's editing, like, I would, I'm not going to call Jurassic Park a kid's movie. It's not, but it's got, like, a fantasy sci-fi movie versus, mm-hmm. like, the worst, one of the worst events in uh, human history. Yeah. Like, right on top of one another. That's just a roller coaster of emotion. And, and you're going from being sad and depressed to you, you have to have all of this uh, adrenaline and excitement for um, scenes in Jurassic Park and you, you want it to look good. Yeah. And also, I mean, I guess it was worth it in the end. I, I don't know if I've ever talked about like actors and like just they have this incredible, like a single actor actress has this incredible year. Like Jim Carrey in 94, he did Ace Ventura, The Mask, and Dumb and Dumber. Like that's, that's an all-time run for a year. Spielberg had the top grossing movie in the entire world, and he won the Academy Award for Best Picture and Best Director in the same year. Yeah. Like that is like the end-all be-all of like years for a director. I was trying to look it up to see what directors had the year that he did. And the only one that uh, anybody on that listens to this show would know was uh, Steven Soderbergh did Traffic and Aaron Brockovich in the same year. Oh. I mean, like, there's Ingrid Ber- Ingmar Bergman. Like, no one that listens to the show knows who he is. Like, I only know one movie that he did, so <laughs> I'm not going to bring him up. But that's, like, for a career, like, that's almost like – he doesn't even need to do any more after that. Like, all right, I'm done. And plus, I mean, he uh, he finally had a movie score to replace E.T. Uh, that plays when he's going to present at the Oscars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got a very interesting question at the end of the show about E.T. and Jurassic Park and where it all fits in with Spielberg's career. Okay. Curious to get your thoughts. Uh, Alan Grant was modeled after famed paleontologist Jack Horner, which I found to be very strange because the only time I've ever heard the name Jack Horner, he was the porno producer in Boogie Nights, played by Burt Reynolds. And when I seen that, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, how awesome is this guy? He's a porno producer and he's a paleontologist. I may have flubbed the name, but for just for fucking sake of this show, I'm keeping it. Don't edit this out. Um, the last fact that I have is on its television debut on May the 7th, 1995, this movie pulled in 68 million viewers, which was the most viewers for a movie on TV since Trading Places in April of 1987. Oh, wow. Back when people actually sat and watched TV. Yeah. Which that blew my mind. Like, first off, like, there's that many people that like are glued to their television to watch Trading Places. I, I love that movie, but it doesn't strike me as a cultural phenomenon like Jurassic Park would have been. Yeah. I would have expected like The Wizard of Oz or fuck Batman 89 or something like that, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Trading Places. <laughs> uh, do you have anything on the, uh, the old bag of tricks? Fun facts? Yeah. yeah, I got some fun facts. Um... Oh, fun. Uh, 
I mean, maybe not. Maybe they're not fun. Maybe they're more nerdy than fun, but uh, they're fun. They're going to be I fun for you. And at the end of the yeah. day, that's all that matters. If they're fun for you, they're fun for everybody. That's right. Everybody should agree with me because my opinion is right. That's right. It's our show. <laughs> um, my first fact is uh, the uh, uh, logo for Jurassic Park, uh, the iconic um, T-Rex. Um, the artist for it, um, whose name escapes me right now, and I don't have it written down, um, he uh, he would spend his days at uh, the Museum of Natural History in New York City. And uh, at that time, uh, they thought uh, the T-Rex was a dinosaur that would stand upright um, instead of uh, horizontally. Um, they, they thought its tail dragged the ground and it stood like a, a person. And so they had the, um, the skeleton at the Museum of Natural History uh, posed that way. And uh, so he would just uh, spend his days sketching that, um, that skeleton. And so that's why uh, the way that the uh, the T Rex is posed on the logo, it it just goes uh, from the skull down, um, just straight down because it looks like it's standing like a human. Now, when uh, the movie came out, um, they animated the T Rex like it should have been, um, because paleontologists figured out, yeah, no, it does, this tail doesn't drag on the ground; it stands horizontally. Um, so. But they kept the logo from the book because, I mean, let's be honest, it's really iconic. Uh, Chip Kidd is the guy that designed that logo. Okay. Thank you. That's what um, I'm here for. <laughs> uh, and uh, one of my uh, other facts is that uh, among all of the, uh, the things that are in the book um, that are kind of sci-fi-ish, um, Michael Crichton made sure uh, that uh, among his scientist friends that all of the pseudoscience that he was using was feasible, at least, you know, in theory. Um, uh, he would uh, contact uh, several of his uh, science friends and he would talk about uh, gathering um, blood from amber. Is, is that a thing that, that could possibly be done? Well, yeah, if it was preserved the right way, I guess it could be done. But Mr. DNA says that it can happen, so... Yeah. Um, I mean, you would have to get incredibly lucky to pull an entire uh, DNA strand out of um, blood that's been preserved for 65 million years, but I guess John Hammond is the luckiest man on Earth, so... Well, he's not lucky. He just doesn't spare any expenses. He's, he does not go the cheap route. Right. Um, and among uh, some of the, the differences from the book, um, uh, there was a lot more um, to do with the litigation in the book. Um, I know that uh, there was a lot more um, – talk about closing the park because of uh, uh, individuals suing uh, John Hammond like the uh, the guy at the beginning who gets eaten by the raptor um, he just loses a leg in the book I believe and uh, uh, the family sues John Hammond and, and that's actually who the lawyer um, representing John Hammond uh, that's what he's referencing at the beginning of the movie um, but they don't um, talk about how that guy is still alive he just lost a leg but in the movie i mean 
that guy gets eaten for sure. I think. Anyway, John Hammond actually gets uh, killed in the book. Uh, the book too. Yeah, yeah. He's not supposed to be in. Um, I don't think he. Yeah, he's not in the Lost World at all. Mm-mm. I I've only seen the Lost World once, maybe twice. Is he even in the the movie for very long? He he's in the movie for like the first five minutes. He doesn't have very much screen time. Yeah. Yeah. And I I always hate how the sequels um, decide to get the people back on the island. It, it feels contrived. It's like John Hammond said, I really hate that man in this movie, but he's inviting him to his house in this other movie. It's like, oh, yeah, I hired your girlfriend to go collect dinosaurs for me, so now you have to go. Well, I think it's a, they've had a bonding experience. I mean, it's not every day that you're running for your life at a dinosaur theme park. That brings people together. <laughs> um, uh, another uh, interesting fact. Um, I don't want to uh, cut into too much of the uh, um, podcast here, but uh, one of my favorite facts is that uh, – the um, T-Rex uh, animatronic dinosaur is one of the largest animatronics ever made on film. And uh, it was made out of uh, a exoskeleton and then foam rubber. And it was powered by hydraulics uh, so that it could have smooth motion. Um, it was one of the most advanced animatronics that had ever been made at that time. However, uh, that T-Rex was being filmed in the rain. And we all know what happens when foam rubber gets wet. It gets really, really heavy and full of water. And so the calibration on the hydraulics was off, and every so often during filming, the T-Rex would shake. Uh-huh. And, uh, like, it was cold. <laughs> and uh, they would have to stop filming, stop the rain, take the T-Rex out of the scene, beat it with towels, <laughs> dry it off with fans, and then resume filming. And for about, I don't know, half of that T-Rex paddock sequence, they would have to uh, film the T-Rex just out of uh, like the the edge of the rain so that it, it would look like it's still raining, but it wouldn't be in the rain. Well, you know, it's a good thing that they've had, they got a guy that has experience with large mechanical creatures malfunctioning. Right. At least they didn't lose the T Rex in the ocean. Right. For yeah. Three days. <laughs> well, now, we're gonna film half of this movie without the T Rex. We're just gonna imply the T Rex is there. Or they're just like... gonna have a guy in a T Rex suit just kind of walk by. It's one of those uh, blow up T Rex suits. <laughs> I wonder if that's the same uh, T-Rex they used in Wayne's World 2 because Wayne's World 2 does that bit where uh, Wayne and Garth are inside of that uh, park. They're going to have Wayne stock and that dinosaur looks down on them like Jurassic yeah. Park. I wonder if that's the same one. Maybe. Because I'd be willing to bet that that's one of those uh, like special effects you know, creature things that like probably gets passed around a bit like hey you need a t-rex come on we've got one yeah i know that uh uh when i was in uh new york city in 
it was right after 9-11 we were there visiting um for for that and uh um i went to toys r us there they had i i believe at the time it was the second largest um animatronic ever made and it was a, a t-rex on i think it was like the third floor or something like that they had an entire jurassic park section it was oh wow cool. that'd be fucking cool to see yeah now was that phil Tippett that did that or was that stan winston because i know winston. they had all they had both yeah. of them involved in the movie yeah Tippett was um the uh stop motion guy who kind of got shafted by uh ilm but um yeah winston was the guy who made all of the animatronics the goat of special effects right although uh i believe uh they credit I, and i saw this on twitter here's another cool fun fact i guess uh <laughs> i saw this on twitter um, somebody screen capped uh, Phil Tippett's credit in um, the movie, and apparently he's like a dinosaur handler or something like that. Uh, he's that's how he's credited um, because he did the stop motion um, for uh, basically just um, playing the scene out before it was animated. And uh, somebody had written. Phil, what are you, what were you doing? You're not a very good dinosaur handler. <laughs> he replies, "Sorry, I let him escape." Yeah, that that's like I don't know that because they they got somebody else involved in that too. If I'm not mistaken, it's a big special effects guy. Yeah, I can't I can't think of it right off the top of my head, but I'm I'm pretty sure you're right. Yeah, I think they had like three like pretty notorious special effects people mm -hmm. involved and in that. The uh the guy that um got the CGI uh thing off the ground was pretty notorious at the time. He actually uh kind of defied um his higher ups at Industrial Light and Magic cuz um they were like, "Yeah, don't do don't do that. Don't yeah, we're doing stop motion." don't waste your time on that and then he had a, uh, a t-rex skeleton um animated while kathleen kennedy and steven spielberg were walking through the offices uh. like oh what is that <laughs> well looks like phil tippett's out of a job i'm, I'm trying to find out who else was involved in that because that's going to drive me nuts oh well Oh, well, fuck it. I'll, if I find it, I'll bring it up. You know, I did read something. I didn't want to, like, I didn't throw it in my fun facts, but uh, the Raptors from that movie, they let some of the actors take them home. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, Laura Dern said, I think it was Laura Dern that said that that Raptor used to scare the shit out of her kid. Oh, and to okay. this day, it still creeps out her, her kid. Because they had it in a corner, and it used to frighten her kid to the point where, like, she had trouble sleeping at night. I mean, it would me too. Like, if I got up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, I would probably crap my pants. Well, yeah, I mean, like, I, <clears throat> I had that issue with Chewbacca, like a cardboard cutout of Chewbacca in the house for a while. And uh, I also had Baymax from Big Hero 6. So, like, <laughs> I can't imagine what a fucking raptor would do in my house. Like, <laughs> uh, Is that all the fun facts you had for the... Oh, um, last fun fact... Uh... 
Velociraptors in real life are the size of turkeys, and um, the uh, raptors in the movie uh, are more like the size of Utah raptors, but as you and I have discussed, Utah raptor just doesn't sound as cool, so that's probably why he went with Velociraptor. Yeah, they decided to make them Toronto raptors, <laughs> which are much bigger. I think they go anywhere from like 5'10 to like 7'1", depending on what position they play. Sorry, bad NBA joke, gang. <laughs> no, it was good. It was good. Um, the uh, next category, I'm calling this the highlight reel. Uh, this is the scene of the movie that if you were to show this to a person that's never seen this movie, what would be the scene that you would show them? And I think you and I discussed this. I think we're both in agreement on this. I think it's the, uh, the T-Rex T-Rex on the paddock. loose for the first time. Yep. Breaking loose from the paddock. Fence going down. Yeah. That is like the one scene of the movie because I've always thought of Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park is like the last movie that I've seen that had me completely in awe when I seen it in the theater. Because it's like, fuck, mm-hmm. these like dinosaurs look real. Yeah. And we got to see the dinosaurs in the earlier movies. Like, okay, cool. Let's see the big guys. Let's see, like, let's see the big guns. Mm-hmm. And then when they brought out the T Rex, like that thing, look, it looked fucking legit. Yeah, yeah. The um, animatronic, even like, it's pretty seamless, and it the skin looks real, the eyes look real. It's really, really good. And plus, it's like that scene is pretty much like it's been featured on so many like highlight shows the the whole sequence well actually there's a few the where the t-rex is taking the steps and the Mm -hmm. water the glass of water shakes which i read spielberg got that idea from an earth wind and fire song the bass was rattling his windows yeah and he thought that would be a cool thing to put in a movie so he put that in jurassic park yeah and the guy that was in charge of it had no idea how to pull it off but then he finally figured out that if he put a a uh, metal string on the bottom of the jeep and strummed it it worked oh really yeah yeah it had that sequence which has been played over and over again the t-rex looking down at the kids Mm -hmm. in the car also an iconic sequence and then just the whole where uh grant and ian try to distract the dinosaur so the kids can get out like that whole sequence is just fucking amazing plus that crooked lawyer gets eaten on the shitter Oh man, that uh, my favorite behind-the-scenes moment when I was watching uh, the special features on the DVD was when the animator for that scene was describing it. He just sounded like a surfer dude. He's like, I just tried to imagine, man, what it would be like for a T-Rex to eat a guy, and he would chomp him, and then he would shake him around like a dog and break all the bones in his body, dude. <laughs> that's probably how I would describe it too because I think around that time that's exactly how I talked you can tell that that person has probably been a fan of the Ninja Turtles oh yeah but yeah man that scene is just so cool and like that and plus if you have like a home theater system like mm-hmm. that's the perfect scene to demo your home theater system with oh yeah the T-Rex roar yeah you're getting the uh the bass from the steps, and then like when he lets out that roar, yeah, 
That's fucking and like that's working everything. Even the rain just being background noise too is really good for home theater systems. Yeah. And I mean, that scene uh like it's inspired a lot of uh parodies and um if we're including the uh the uh addendum to that scene where um Laura Dern and um Muldoon go out and try and find uh Grant and the kids um and the T-Rex chases them in the jeep uh that mirror scene where it roars in the mirror is super iconic I think they did that in uh Toy Story 2 yeah with the yeah and the Barbie car and um they even have a, a Lego set and that's the scene is the T-Rex paddock escape. Like if you, a scene has a, a Lego set dedicated to it, it's a pretty iconic scene. Right. Yeah. Plus, uh, you know that those mirrors are not like legit and like judging distance too. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the first time I really paid attention to the, uh, objects are, may appear closer than they are. That little warning yeah. signs on your mirrors. I was like, Okay, I guess that makes sense. I I really like that touch. That's such a nice touch because you yeah. know they did. <laughs> That's one of the things I like about this movie too. Is like, it's got enough humor sprinkled in to where it's not like, it's like it's kind of a roller coaster. Like you, there's dramatic mm-hmm. scenes. There's obviously like the scares and like the height tension. But yeah, they sprinkle a lot of comedy in this too. Yeah, and it's not it's not even um, like obvious shoehorned in jokes either. It's actually yeah, the, the it comes off very natural. Yeah. Um, I know uh, another scene that I really dug. It's not my favorite scene in the movie, is the uh, the sequence where uh, it's like right before the end when uh, the kids are running from the velocity, like the raptors are inside the mm-hmm. the visitor center, and. Yeah. Like, I always wondered, like, like, as a kid, like, man, if I, my mom had, like, one of them stainless steel sets, I totally would have done that to my brother. Would have made him, yeah. like, try to run after me and, like, hit his head. <laughs> that whole sequence is really cool, too. And it's very tense. Like, even when I was watching it the other day, I'm like, fuck, that, when Lex is, like, hanging on in the, the vents, the ventilation oh, system, yeah. and, like, she's hanging on, that raptor jumps up. Mm-hmm. It barely gets her. And I also read that that's the first time they superimposed a face onto a different body. Yeah, I was about to say her stunt double did that. Yeah. And they had they had to put her face on there. Yeah, like it looks seamless. Yeah. Um, it was really good. Any other scenes that stand out to you before we move on? Uh, I really do like the raptor scene. It, especially, like, it start out with the her shaking the jello. That's just something that i remember uh she actually did a uh like a like i think a tiktok video the actress and they just posted that up for the 30th anniversary her like shake like with the spoon shaking and she's like i think she's in her 40s now yeah i uh i like that scene i like um it's not like a super action-packed scene or anything but i really like um uh, John Hammond describing his flea circus to um, uh, Laura Dern. Um, I just like the pan across the gift shop and then just the... I, I like the whole theme park feel of it because it, it does remind me of like a 90s theme park. It, it looks legit. It, it looks yeah. really good. And 
I don't, I don't know. It just reminds me of like the Columbus Zoo or something like that. I guess. It, I just like the aesthetic of that scene. Um, I like the whole visitor center. I, I don't know. I just like the the sets. Mm. Um, my absolute favorite scene isn't the T Rex paddock, but I mean we have to give the most iconic scene to the T Rex paddock. The favorite scene is when the T-Rex grabs uh, the raptor off of its back and throws it into the skeleton and then the banner falls. I think, you know, and that's, uh, and it says when the dinosaurs ruled the earth and it roars. I mean, perfect, perfect yeah. way to. Yeah, that so. was a cool scene too. All the, like, I remember the Jurassic Park video game for the Sega Genesis. Mm-hmm. Incredibly tough to beat that scene at the end. Oh my gosh! Like I kept dying. I I I would jump off the um, platform and then like I would die from fall damage. The T Rex or the Raptors wouldn't even get me. Yeah, like, I, I seriously want to snap the cartridge in half. I would only ever win that particular um, level as the Raptor if you decided to play as the Raptor. But. That is a cool scene too. Um, yeah, and I I do dig the scene when Nedry gets his from that Dilophosaurus. Yeah, I mean, I I have quoted that scene so many times in the last week. Oh, <laughs> that Wayne Knight is perfect as playing like a slimy piece of shit character. He's just so good at it. I mean, like he was essentially that's Newman from Seinfeld. Yeah, except like more more evil. Yeah. <laughs> So we're in agreement, though. The best, that most iconic scene, the, the scene that you would show off to your friends and neighbors is the T-Rex. Yes. Yeah, that's a good call. Um, I've changed up the best line of the movie. I'm call, I am I seen this in a video a few weeks ago, and I, I'm a fan of the Fast and Furious franchise. Mm-hmm. And I, I cannot believe that I did not pick up on this sooner because this line is fucking ridiculous. But uh, Paul Walker and Tyrese are coming out of what looks to be a jail. I, I've only seen the Too Fast, Too Furious once, so you got to forgive me. But Tyrese is, like, hounding Paul Walker about something to happen. And he, Paul Walker says, forget about it, cuh. <laughs> and actually, I think you should put that like, in the clip before this, just okay. so we can have it All right. for reference purposes. But uh, this is the – I'm calling this scene now, the or this award, the – Paul Walker, I said, forget about it, cuh, for uh, most memorable, good or bad, line of the movie. I said, forget about it, cuh. So what, what do you have as your most iconic, good or bad, or the best line of the movie? Um, there is no bad line to me in this movie. None at all. Uh, and I actually, I checked... Nobody this in this movie says forget about a cuh. Are you sure? Yeah, I think uh, I think I think Hammond almost says it once. Yeah, on the helicopter ride, but then he says something else. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's what he was trying to say when uh, Grant was trying to buckle his seatbelt. Yeah, forget about. It. He's like, just forget about a cuh. <laughs> but um, uh, most iconic. Well, just your uh, favorite line of the movie. I I can't do that. That's why I'm doing most iconic because there every every line is my favorite. Uh, from that's one big pile of shit 
to uh you know life finds a way um you know uh so many thick thick stupid i'm gonna run you over when i come back down uh-huh. um <laughs> uh there's a couple of uh being in the field of it now there's a couple of lines of dennis nedry's that i've uh, made into gifts you know i'm so un- unappreciated in my time um you can run this uh park fully uh automated with minimal staff for three days uh i love every line so most iconic is going to be welcome to jurassic park because everybody knows it it's just so such an iconic scene with the the dinosaurs being there and everybody remembers that scene so welcome to jurassic park is the most iconic yeah that's what i have too uh I mean, like you said, yeah, there's a lot of, like, memorable lines in this movie. Uh, like, the, uh, you and I are, one of our big things is when some, like, we don't want somebody doing something or somebody fucks up, we just go, ah, ah, ah. You didn't say the magic word. <laughs> that's that's a big thing. That's like a you and me thing. Uh, but, yeah, there's the uh, spare no expense. I know I got quite a bit of run out of that, 93 and 94. Yeah, spare no expense. Uh Who's hungry? <laughs> They're lethal after three months, and I do mean lethal. Oh, and I'm, clever. We're we're gonna visit some Bob Peck here in a little bit. Yeah, clever girl was another good one. I mean, we got memes out of that, so. Yeah, Bob Peck's getting some love here in a bit. <laughs> yeah, I I think it's welcome to Jurassic Park. It's like such an yeah. iconic line and it's so simple and like yeah it basically is telling the audience like okay you're in for a ride yeah but yeah it I, has to be that one but yeah a lot of memorable stuff in this one I, um, I contend that Jurassic Park is the most quotable movie of all time and I will die on that hill you know I don't know like I know for me Anchorman Still gets a lot of love. I quote a shit ton from Anchorman. Uh, I use a lot of <laughs> yeah. Simpsons stuff. But that's a TV show. Uh, I use a lot of Big Lebowski, too. Yeah. So I don't know if it's the most quotable movie of all time for me. But mm-hmm. I know we've gotten some play out of some lines in this movie. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, 30 years later. And we haven't been... we You and I haven't been friends for 30 years, but I mean, like... We've gotten quite a bit of run out of Jurassic Park too. Yeah. But yeah, I think uh I think we hit the nail on the head with that one. Uh we kept the McLovin. I am McLovin. For the most impactful supporting performance. And speaking of our friend Bob Peck, that's who I'm giving the award to is uh Patrick or is it Robert Muldoon? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I think Wayne Knight and Samuel Jackson had had a case. Uh, mm-hmm. Samuel Jackson alone for his incredible ability to smoke cigarettes. <laughs> like if there's a cigarette smoking Hall of Fame for movie performances, Samuel Jackson's is got to be in it. Like he, it's. It, I know people like talk about method acting. They study stuff, but it's like Samuel Jackson just hung out at like a like a body shop or a garage for like a week yeah. and just studied mechanics. Yeah. I, I think like 
he has the best control over that that cigarette dangle just like having it in his mouth without touching it and then he seamlessly uh takes a drag off of it while talking really quickly i mean it's just it's like a second nature to him and i lost track of how many cigarettes he smokes in this but i think he is at least well he's in the movie for like maybe 10 minutes screen mm-hmm. time and i swear he's like yeah. ripped through like a pack easily yeah uh uh he i guess you know maybe he's just smoking all of the cigarettes they cut out of et so <laughs> marlboro got a shitload of money from, and free pub out of that one <laughs> uh and wayne knight like like you said perfect at playing slimy uh mm-hmm. he's cast perfectly as the the guy that you know is going to steal something from the park yeah. to sell but no, man, like, uh, Muldoon, Bob Peck, my pick from the McLovin. I've only seen that guy in Jurassic Park, so I don't know what else he's been in. I'm sure he's probably got a very uh, esteemed career, probably in the theater in mm-hmm. London, probably been in a lot of BBC stuff. Uh, Let's see, I can only see him as a, uh, a British uh, game warden from Kenya, so... Um, yeah, I give him the award for three reasons. One is I think he's the only person on the face of the earth that can rock that fucking outfit that he has in that movie. I don't know yeah. what that hat's called, but the one that's got the half curved bill. Yeah, he's got he the he's got the vest, the khakis, the fucking knee high green socks, boots. Nobody can pull that off. And man, when when he unfolds that gun it's just like he's gonna shoot that raptor I mean he doesn't but I'm li- I still get fucking bummed that he gets killed yeah like I would like he's to re- like maim him like he loses his arm hey well see we don't we see him scream we see the raptors jump on him he's probably like oh, 90% he- dead oh yeah he's fucking but, dead but I like to think maybe he wrestled that raptor in one. It'd have been nice <laughs> at the end of the movie to see like his hand come up like and grab like a fucking tree that's fallen down, like covered in blood, right. like Jurassic Park yeah. Two, Bull Dude's Revenge. <laughs> it's his bloody hand reaching for his hat that he placed on the uh, on the log. Oh, dude, perfect. I would have <laughs> rather watched that Jurassic Park Two than the one that we got. Yeah, <laughs> it's just Bull Dude trying to escape the island. Man, fucking perfect was... it writes itself yeah. um, except all, all the dinosaurs died from the lysine contingency but you know oh yeah minor... one of them I, I bet a couple of them stayed alive they're hunting yeah old Bobby uh, second of all like you said created a meme like the clever girl meme mm-hmm. uh, I wouldn't say it's like top tier meme material but it, it's I see quite a few of them yeah. And uh, lastly, I give him the award. Uh, funny story. Uh, I was a, an unemployed lad for about a year. It was around 2000 or so. And mm-hmm. uh, the criteria for being on unemployment in Ohio is you had to apply for three jobs a week. And I got comfortable just getting a free paycheck. It wasn't what I was accustomed to, but at the time, all I really did was uh, smoked weed and cigarettes and hung out at home 
So like, fuck, I don't need a lot of money for that. So to not get called from like McDonald's or Burger King or Wendy's or whatever, in my job history, I would put that I was the game warden at Jurassic Park. Just because I knew if I put something fucking crazy like that on a job application, they would not hire me or even bother to call. So for that reason, Bob Bold Dude gets the McLovin Award from me. Provided you with a paycheck. Yeah, I, I would put like they have responsibilities. I would always put like I'm in charge of making sure that the animals do not attack humans on Jurassic Park. I maintain <laughs> I maintain uh, the proper balance of uh, animals inside the park. Quiet. They're approaching the Tyrannosaur paddock. Yeah, uh, I, I knew McDonald's wasn't calling me like, this guy's fucking crazy. I don't want him anywhere around the drive-thru. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he's a he's a good pick for sure. I mean, that, oh, he's the first guy that we see in the movie doing the whole um, raptor transfer thing and shoot her, shoot her. So, very good pick. Um, I'm... I, I cannot get away from leaning towards Wayne Knight though just because without Wayne Knight um, Jurassic Park doesn't happen I mean he's the he's the guy that turns off all the uh, security systems he turns off all the fences uh, he grabs the uh, embryos and the can of Barbasol he meets with Dotson Dotson we got Dotson here um I, I really like Wayne Knight as the uh, as the winner of this category, but I guess I can go with Muldoon. Muldoon is a really close second. Oh, you know, Wayne Knight, he does have a case. Plus, like, you know, I'm actually surprised in the escape he made it as far as he did. Yeah. Because, like, truth be told, like, when that he hits that sign and, like, you have no idea where the East Dock is at now. Mm-hmm. He could have easily driven towards the T-Rexes for all he knew. Yeah. And he did pretty well because he, he found the road, but he just couldn't get to the road. <laughs> I think I wanted to see him die when he treated that Dilophosaurus like a fucking dog. He's like, fetch the stick. I'm like, okay, I want this dude to fucking get killed. Stick, yeah. stupid. <laughs> I'm going to run you over when I come back down. And when I see this for the first time as a kid... I had no idea what that dinosaur was. And then when all of a sudden, like, he goes from being this docile-looking creature to those fucking, that fin coming up over his head, he makes that fucking noise. Yeah. Sounds like a snake. That fucking scared the shit out of me as a kid. Like, I jumped out of my seat when I seen that for the first time. Spits, uh, spits venom on him, and then he spits venom in his eyes. Yeah, venom didn't really seem to affect his eyes, though. He seen the other one in the Jeep perfectly fine. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, you know what? We'll call it a tie. Bob Peck, Wayne Knight. I would lean towards giving it to Bob Peck simply because, like I said, have you seen him in anything else? I really haven't. Wayne Knight so, was on Seinfeld. Yeah. He was in Space Jam with Michael Jordan. He was. He was the, he was the butt of all the fat jokes in, in that movie. <laughs> yeah. I also noticed that my uh, wife's friend, her husband kind of looks like him. (laughs) 
just the way that you were looking i i know that they can't see it but just the way you were looking off in the distance as you well, said I, was, that. I was waiting for somebody to enter the room like who are you talking about <laughs> uh, they don't listen to the show anyways uh <laughs> unsolved mysteries of the movie i've only got one okay. uh, but i've wondered this for 30 years I wonder how much a trip to Jurassic Park would have cost. Uh, $1,000 a day, $2,000 a day. We can charge whatever we want. I don't know. I wonder how much coupon day would have been. Uh, that's like, if there's a bad line in the movie, that's it. That coupon day is like, I watched that the other day. I was like, dude, shut the fuck up. That joke sucked. No, see, but he's he's the blood sucking lawyer. He's supposed to be bad at jokes. A coupon day. <laughs> you could have had said discount day or whatever, like triple A yeah. day, but coupon day. Come on. Nobody that's going to that fucking island is clipping coupons. Nope. Hey, honey, I got a coupon for a hundred dollars off for a Jurassic Park ticket. We get to feed the dinosaurs. Um. I, I haven't been to Disney in quite a long time. I know you just got back from that trip recently. Yes. Uh, family of four. Mm -hmm. uh, how much ballpark did Disney set you back? Uh, I believe this last time before uh, food, it was around $5,000. All right, $5,000 for Florida. Yeah, and that was for that was for a hotel uh, resort staying on Disney property, uh, entrance to the parks for five days, and um, a couple of different options like photo passes and stuff like that. Okay, so I'm factoring in. You have to fly to because mm -hmm. this is what off Costa Rica. Yeah, so you're flying off Costa Rica. So that's airfare. Yeah. And then you have to be staying on the resort. There's no place else. You can't stay like 15 minutes outside of Jurassic Park. It's, you're on the island and that's it. Yeah. See, then you have to take the helicopter down. I'm going to say it. A, a, a week-long trip is, I'm going to rough, I'm going to say 15 grand, 20 grand. I was I was gonna say ten, so I'll, I'll go. I'll go with fifteen. We can split the difference. Probably fifteen grand. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know how much airfares. I don't fly much. That's well, like, fuck. My wife was here. She could help me out with that stuff. She's like a flying guru. Um, we didn't get a good, uh, good deal or anything on airfare for our trip, so we ended up driving. But um, uh, I think it was gonna be like twenty two hundred dollars for all four of us to fly. Yeah. Um. That was ridiculous. Well, we drove. Yeah, that's to Florida. Yeah. Yeah, just always wonder how much that trip would cost. Yeah, it. I would say about fifteen grand. And I don't know if I would want to stay on the island with the dinosaurs and sleep in a resort. I don't care how cool the resort is. Well, yeah, I mean that's the that's the thing. Dude. Like they don't really go into detail. Like if that's an all like an all inclusive resort. Or whether, yeah. like, it's just the island houses the dinosaurs and then 
you stay yeah. somewhere else. Yeah, uh, the, he did mention that there's going to be rides in in the park, and then in the uh, Telltale Games video game, which is supposed to be like actual um, legit canon story to Jurassic Park, um, they had um, like a roller coaster and stuff and an aquarium, but um, yeah, they didn't have anything about like hotels or resorts or anything like that is it jurassic world it's a resort right yeah because yeah. they, they like it's like disney world basically in jurassic world okay yeah that makes sense it's on another part of the island too because uh if i remember correctly the the kids had to get a really long way in that dumb hamster ball to get to the old jurassic park oh yeah 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 um yeah, needless to say, it's an expensive trip. I just wish they would have put a ballpark on it. It's bugged me for, like, 30 years. Like, that's the only thing that, like, I really – well, that I always wonder what happened to the can of Barbasol, but they answered that in uh, that god-awful Dominion. Yeah. Well, uh, also in the video game, which is a cooler story than uh, Dominion, um, they send uh, – Biosyn, the company that Dotson works for, sends um, – like two or three mercenaries after that Barbasol can because it has like a tractor in it. Okay. Which is a cooler concept and uh, also would have been a better second movie. <laughs> For sure. That's like, I don't know, like, do you think that the sequels have kind of watered down Jurassic Park's legacy at all? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, you even mentioned Jurassic Park 3 to somebody they laugh at you like oh that's a crappy movie um I think that Jurassic World the first one kind of brought back the magic a little bit for a new generation um it kind of captured the same kind of um it was really good uh the way it captured the same kind of um focus on uh being a family movie because it focused on like the kids and their family and their aunt and uh, Owen was kind of just there, I guess, as a yeah, the studly hero. Yeah. Um, but they treated the dinosaurs like animals, not like monsters, and, and the other movies are kind of like monster movies in a sense. And not very good. No. Um, do you have any unsolved mysteries? Of the movie yes. or... yeah um i did have an unsolved mystery of the movie and it's not necessarily an unsolved mystery of the movie i think you you, you gave me your answer for this before but i was uh, i was talking about this with a few people does uh the disaster at jurassic park happen if hammond pays uh nedry more money yeah yeah and I, I said that I think that it would have because it's just like somebody that's greedy mm-hmm. is only satisfied with what they're making for a certain period of time and then they think they're entitled to more and then they'll want more and then just nothing's ever good enough. So I think he would have done it eventually anyways. He would have done it eventually, but maybe like um, if uh, if it didn't happen in the same time period uh, – Grant and um, Ellie and uh, Ian and um, Hammond and everybody, they would have a 
a kind of boring weekend that kind of got rained out by the storm and then they go home and endorse the park and and then after that happens Nedry steals the embryos and destroys the park with people there with people there and then far worse yep so I guess his timing was impeccable but yeah so yeah I I I would say yeah he he would still do it but it's nice to think about like uh, stuff like that it's just would that actually happen? It's like uh, Indiana Jones. If he wasn't in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, nothing it changes at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Bellic still would have stolen the Ark. And... Got his face blown up. The Nazis would have burned. But, you know. I uh, Last category. Something new. I did away with the who won the movie because I think I was kind of, looking back in retrospect, I think it was kind of lame. So uh, I've created uh, would this movie go into blank Hall of Fame? So uh, if there was a Hall of Fame for summer movies, mm-hmm. would this go in the Hall of Fame? Yeah. Yeah, it would go in the Hall of Fame for summer movies for sure. Yeah, I think um, it's a first ballot one. Yeah. I think... Uh, there's a quite a few Hall of Fames that could probably go into, but that's a that's probably the best one. Well, I think without this being successful, I think this is kind of the blueprint for what happens in Independence Day. They didn't cast a bunch of big name stars, and that yeah. movie became big because of the premise, not the actors involved. And I think it proved that you can make a big, successful movie without a huge star attached to it. Right. I think Jurassic Park, uh, especially with the special effects in it, kind of kicked off uh, sci-fi movies in the 90s, too. Well, I think it just changed the... I think Hollywood now has become more reliant on CGI after this movie. Yeah. They don't think, really lean into stunts and practical stuff as much anymore. Uh, the thing is, though, like, go watching Jurassic World and all of its sequels... Um, the dinosaurs don't look as good. Um, you watch Jurassic Park, the dinosaurs look better 30 years ago than they do now. Yeah. Um, and I think Jurassic Park did a good job with practical effects mixed with the CG. They didn't, they sprinkled the CG in there when they needed to, and then they did practical effects for everything else. And I think that's a better. Um, way of doing things than like literally, literally everything CG now. It's like, oh, well, we're just going to do that in CG. We're going to do that in post. It's cheaper. Uh, it's less dangerous, you know. But I think it looks better in camera. I'm just a I'm a classic uh, old man. No, I agree. I agree. I love the old practical stuff too. Uh does this movie make the Hall of Fame of movies adapted from successful novels? Yeah. I, I mean, think... there's a very, very few movies that I would put in that category. Cause I know back call. in the day here, you had Tom Clancy, everything was at, like getting, like all his shit was getting adapted into movies. Like Hunt for yeah. October, Patriot Games... Uh, clear and present danger. Uh, John Grissom, 
the firm, mm-hmm. Pelican Brief, all his shit. Michael Crichton had a run for a while. Yeah. But uh, I think this by far would be the <laughs> apex of movie adaptations from a book. Yeah, I don't think any of those other movies come close to what Jurassic Park did. And I Box office-wise, no. Yeah. If you talk about the movies that came after, too, like um, uh, that have been adapted from books, like... Um, Twilight. I think Twilight, yeah. They're not... They're not as groundbreaking. Yeah. I mean, maybe Lord of the Rings, but even then, that's kind of... Unfair. Okay, yeah, Lord of the Rings, I think, would be the only movie that could... You know, yeah, would be in the same neighborhood as Jurassic Park. Yeah, um, monster movies because I could, these are huge animals run amok mm-hmm. that are extinct, so they're technically monsters. Yes, Hall of Fame of monster movies. This one I say no. Really? I mean, the only re- yeah, the only reason I say that is because. Uh, Steven Spielberg, at least with the first one, anyways. I, like I said, with the other ones, they're they're pretty much monster movies. Uh, with the first one, Steven Spielberg wanted it to be uh, an adventure movie with animals in it, not monsters. He wanted to make sure that everybody saw the dinosaurs as just animals. And even like giving Grant the line that uh, he's like reassuring Lex, like, yeah, they're just animals. They're not. They're not monsters. Yeah, that makes sense. Because I actually I had it in there as a monster movie because it's that old tried true formula of like something that's uh, unfamiliar to the heroes mm-hmm. that they have to try to like escape from. Yeah, it does follow the formula, and I guess I mean in a sense, yeah, it, it is a monster movie, but. Like I said, the only reason I'm not counting it as in the Hall of Fame of monster movies is because Spielberg didn't want it to be one. I like your answer better. So. Um, last question before I wrap this up. Uh, Steven Spielberg, as we've discussed, quite the iconic director. Uh, I would say, without a doubt, the greatest director in the history of movies. Uh would Jurassic Park be on his Mount Rushmore? And if so, what other three movies are joining Jurassic Park? Yes, it would. Um, oh my God, he did so many good movies. Yeah. Uh, I thought this would be a good question to end the show. Uh, Jurassic Park would definitely be on there. Um, E.T. is really close. Uh, Fiddler's List. Um... He did Lincoln too, didn't he? That was really good. Um, man, Jaws—that's I couldn't pick three, but it's it's probably my number one just because it's it's actually tied for my number one favorite movie of all time. So. I guess it's a good thing I asked you to be on tonight. <laughs> yeah, Jurassic yeah, Park, it, it's okay. It's it, it it ties Empire Strikes Back as my number one favorite movie. Oh wow! Yeah, so um, I think that it is. Uh, I have uh, Jurassic Park, E.T., Jaws, and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Those would be the four. Okay. 
I would probably swap out um, as depressing as it is, I would swap out E.T. for Schindler's List. Well, I keep E.T. in there because for years it was the highest grossing movie of all time. Yeah, and I mean, like I said before, they they kept playing the E.T. music forever on uh, on Academy Awards night until Jurassic Park came out. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, we didn't talk about the uh, film score, which was done by the uh, uh, greatest film scorer of all time. Yeah, the, the uh, we'll touch on it briefly. We'll just do a John Williams episode. Fuck it. Yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm sure glad. you and I would be the only two people that like will listen to it. But fuck it. Uh, I'm glad to that. The score is awesome. Yeah. Like uh, yeah. I think we'll lead. We'll probably lead into the episode with something from the movie. Okay. Uh, I th- I think this fuck you know it's like one of those things where what's I mean obviously the Jaws and the Raiders are probably his most iconic because everybody yeah. knows those but man this Jurassic Park is pretty fucking yeah. elite and like I find myself like ever since I watched it last week I found myself humming some of the Jurassic Park stuff um John Williams goes through these uh, um, at least from what I've listened to because uh, I'm a big nerd he goes through these phases of uh, instruments that he likes um, there's like a, a time when he really really liked bells uh, when like Harry Potter came out and uh, uh, the Star the new Star Wars prequels um, and then like there was a time when he liked horns with uh, Jaws and, and some of those movies that came out in that era this one, I think he really enjoyed um, strings and piano because he did Endless List the same time he did this. And uh, you can definitely tell. It's it's good, though. I mean, I, I'm not saying he's, like, copying himself or anything, but you can definitely tell. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll, save, we'll save it all for the John Williams episode at some point. Okay. Hopefully we'll do it sooner rather than later but uh hey man it was awesome talking to you about Jurassic Park uh if you want to check out Jurassic Park you can currently see that on the cock Peacock has I think all the Jurassic Park movies on there but really you just need to watch this one yeah don't waste your time with the other ones right uh maybe if you're still curious Jurassic World yeah that's pretty solid um but uh, you can find our show on social media. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Uh, you can find the links in the show description. If you like what we're doing here, please give us a five-star review over on Apple and Spotify. So until next week, we bid you all adieu.